0: Blog Talk Radio hey, Welcome to this late installment of the Yard Rose show. My name is Brian Diardo, joined with Brian Rosen who we've talked off air recapping the NFL draft. Brian is excited the Browns made some splashes. Really the Browns were the story of day one of the NFL draft. Uh, the Steelers might team, made a very late pick and uh, linebacker uh, TJ Watt, younger brother of JJ Watt. So Without further ado, Brian, uh, give me your quick reaction or your long reaction of uh, what the Browns did here and your overall thoughts on day one of the NFL draft.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm feeling great. How you doing? How how you feeling tonight, Brian?
0: I'm good man. It it was a it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. You know, for for me kind of covering it, you're you're literally just kind of living in the moment. So this will honestly be my first time uh to really take a take a deep breath and really look back and, and see kind of what happened. I thought Miles Garrett was the was the perfect pick for the Browns. Um he's a pass rusher. Uh and in the NFL you need a couple of things, four things really. You need a great offensive line, you need a great quarterback, you need a great pass rush, slash pass rusher. Um, and you need playmakers. You know, good receivers. So, you know, the, the Browns last year went out, got a lot of wide receivers. I believe what eight wide receivers in last year's draft, hoping a few of them could stick. Um, you yeah. know, the offensive line, they're still going to have to work on some things. But I thought, I thought Garrett was a great pick. I mean, and the the main thing is this dude. Uh, I remember he said it earlier, maybe earlier this month, or earlier this week, whatever it was, when he kind of mimicked Peyton Manning, and he said, whoever doesn't draft me, he's going to regret it. I'm going to come back and whip your team's butt. I love that. I love his motor, and I think he was a great pick for the Browns.
1: Yeah. I lo- I'm i I'm excited about everything that happened with the Browns today. I, I, look, I said very clearly I didn't want a quarterback at all. And if you would have told me before the draft the Browns aren't going to take a quarterback, I'd have said I'm, I'm – I'm, I would be surprised. I expected the Browns to do it. So I feel like the Browns, like, you know, have panicked a lot, and they didn't do that. (laughs) They did not do that. Miles Garrett, yeah, is a no-doubter. It's so fun to watch his tape and to see the potential. I mean, there's questions of effort, and that's fun. You're going to find something to question. uh, And you're going to be able to find tape to prove your point. That's (laughs) easy to do. But Miles Garrett, yeah, is somebody that, it was a no-brainer. Can't wait to watch him. Week one against the Steelers. <laughs> um, yeah. He, uh, by the way, speaking of that, I don't know if you, if you heard this, um, but when he was interviewed by Randy Moss, who was in his house. He wants uh, Big Ben. His family's house, whatever. Yeah, he wants to chop down Big Ben. and I love the phrasing, um, and I love that uh, he said that. Because before, when they asked him what quarterback – you wanted to play I said a lot of big of course you better say Ben that that's he's the class of of the division obviously and and more than that that's what you need to say um so I'm excited and look there's something about the enemy turned friend that is kind of fun I kind of like it you know a guys on the Yankees I've always hated them or Michigan or whatever and then they come on your team and you respect them so you're kind of excited and there was this part you know a big part of me that was sort of said had in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, if Jabril Peppers, because I'm thinking we're at 1-12. And, and so Jabril Peppers isn't going to make sense there. So I'm thinking this whole time kind of in the back of my head, like, hey, you know what? Jabril Peppers at 33 would be great. And I, you know what? They took him at 25. It was interesting. Todd McShay was, was quoted as saying something to the effect of that he would have taken Njoku Ah, uh, David Njoku, the tight end from Miami, who's a, you know young kid, only 20, looks like a potential you know project, but with a great route runner first and foremost, which you love out of a tight end, and tremendous hands. Uh, needs to work on his blocking a little bit, and he's raw and he's young. But he said, you know, I would have went Njoku first, but yet they still, you know, we still were still able to get Njoku and Real Peppers. But what matters is you got two playmakers. That can make an impact on the defensive end. Peppers can make an impact on both sides. And Hugh Jackson said, you know, there'll be a role for him on offense, even though defense will be primarily where he's going to make an impact. And you make you get an impact at least down the road. Tight end to go with Gary Barnidge, who, who's a more you know a little more complete tight end initially at this point. So I feel like the Browns made real impact. They didn't reach for a quarterback. Yes, uh, they traded up and did not have 33, and they're going to have to wait till number 52 to add a fourth player, but you get three fourth round or three first round picks. And we're in the trade with the Texans, who I feel like the Browns have policed in these last two trades. You go and you get a first round pick next year. And what's most important, and then I'll finish my little uh, diatribe, even though it's the Erdos diatribe and Rosen's rant, um, with the fact that I am, am all in on the idea of whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins or a quarterback next year where I feel much better about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, no relation, than I did about any of the quarterbacks this year. So the Browns are in control. Uh, You figure they'll have a top five or top ten pick because there's only so much you're going to improve from a 1-15 season. And the Browns will have plenty of ammo to go out and do what it takes to get their guy at quarterback, make the trade next year. So I feel like the Browns set themselves up well for the future, had a great first night, and I'm as optimistic and excited about the Browns' future now as I honestly have been in, I don't know, 10 years at least. I mean, no joke, 10 years at least since I felt this way.
0: And, you know, you should. You should because they're doing the right things. They had to go Miles Garrett. And I remember yesterday there were rumors swirling around that they weren't going to go with Garrett. And I remember thinking, why wouldn't you? You know, he's the best pass rusher in the draft. And to me it's a no-brainer. And, You know, personally, I I thought, um, you know, NFL teams today reach for quarterbacks. Trubisky, Watson, you know, I was, I mean, if you were told me going into tonight that you're going to get two guys in the top 10 quarterbacks, I would have been really surprised. Especially when, you know, there were mock drafts as late as a month ago saying, or as early as a month ago saying that Watson was going to be there at 30 for the Steelers. Um On the flip side, I was surprised that Corey Davis went so early. I thought he might be there for the Steelers at 30 because, you know, A, he went to a small school, uh, Western Michigan, and he's coming off ankle surgery. So that's always kind of scary, and he wasn't able to run at his pro day or the combine. But teams weren't deterred, and uh, so, you know, he was snatched up in the top ten. So, you know, a lot of guys kind of fell off the board, and you know, looking at it from the Steelers' perspective. When you're 30 – you're just taking the best guy available late in the draft. That's really all it is. You know, there was times when I thought they might be able to get Charles Harris. Um, Some Steelers fans are upset that they didn't get Reuben Foster. Foster's an inside linebacker. The Steelers don't need uh, an inside linebacker uh, that badly. I mean, they'll get one, but probably not till the later round. So um, I thought overall was really good, really good overall, you know, pick for the Steelers. I like TJ Watt. I mean, the only thing that really concerns me is he only had one year of productivity. He was redshirted in 13. He had a season-ending injury uh, in 14 and 15. Well, in 14. 15, he had surgery, played that season, but, but, but recorded very little statistics. 16 was the first year that he was actually healthy and had 11.5 sacks, 63 tackles, fifty and a half tackles for loss. Was a very, very good player. But, again, you're only showing me one year of productivity. But with that being said, he was the best player available for the Steelers at 30. There was really no other option. There was none. And um, that's the main reason why he fell so late is because he only had one year of productivity, and he's already had two big injuries. But, uh, you know, Steeler fans love it. I I I think, Brian, uh, your optimism with the Browns, Steeler Nation is loving the T.J. Watt pick. Now, on the other side, if his name wasn't Watt, Maybe they don't have the same kind of optimism, but that being said, um, Steeler Nation's happy, and uh, I think it uh, was a good move for the team. Once again, just like last year, when you're, when you're picking so late, you just got to take top guy available. Now, I wanted to ask you this, Brian. Um, again, I think we both like uh, Garrett. You know, going number one. Let's talk peppers because I have some Browns fans that I uh, messaged with. You know, I, I have a group. You know, text message whatnot and. Uh, they were actually making fun of me when I said I want the Steelers to take Peppers. And one of my friends, a Buckeye alumni, said, quote, yeah, if you like watching missed tackles. And I thought it was really ironic when they had to shut up when the Browns actually drafted him. And there's been um, a lot of uh, uh, skepticism with with Peppers recently, whether it's that he only had one career interception, all that stuff, jack of all trades, the king of nothing, um, obviously the Browns don't care about those things. They they drafted him. Uh, there was a report this morning by NFL.com that said he was going to be there at 30 if the Steelers wanted him. If the Steelers didn't take him, then he'd probably be there early second round. And, uh, you know, there were Browns fans that were thinking we might get him early second round. Um, but they make trades. They get him in the first round. Bryant, what are your thoughts on Peppers? I, obviously I think you're happy, but, but tell me why you're happy with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, 33 is, is where I sort of in the back. And when I was, like, dreaming up my ideal draft, it was Miles Garrett, Malik Hooker, and, and realistically, Jabril Peppers and all. Honest, I mean, look, Jabril Peppers is not, and I said this in our last podcast, he's not one of those guys that is good at a bunch of different things but not great at any of them. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Um, He's a difference maker He was a difference maker defensively He was a difference maker offensively And in special teams for Michigan So you're someone, you're going to coach him And and again, it's the confidence Greg Williams was a tremendous hire By Hugh Jackson Um, I love, I give him a lot of credit for doing that He brought back Ray Horton, who did a terrible job The first time, and not a good job The second time, and doesn't have the Track record, Greg Williams uh, Players love to play for that guy Intensity and passion. And that's something that you know Peppers doesn't lack. He doesn't lack confidence. And getting back to Garrett, if energy is the question with him, Greg Williams, and they said this in the brackets, he's not going to accept that. And you just listen to Greg Williams talk. He's an intense dude. He's scary. He's not somebody you're going to feel comfortable not giving Max effort. Um, So, look, wherever Peppers is, the Browns' defense is going to play a lot of nickel. Maybe you see him in some nickel situations. Not that he's a great cover guy, but He's, you know, capable enough if he needs to. Uh, you're going to see him at safety a little bit, you know, come up and, and try to stop the run. You're going to see him blitz. You know, Pepper is a, is a tremendous overall athlete and a smart football player. So, yeah, I, I got I, nothing but positives to say about him. And, and you know, David and Joku from me, the tight end, really like what I saw in his tape too. So, I thought the Browns did a great job. Uh, one thing I want to touch on is is the Buckeyes, and you know the Buckeyes slipped, and I think it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why they slipped, but you know Marshawn Lattimore, I believe, was the first. I want to say he was the, he went to the Saints. Uh, Saints
0: of the 11th I don't remember what. Big. Yep, and then it was uh at fifteen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So number one, I'm so happy. I'm so so happy that no Buckeyes went to teams I don't like. I can't tell you how happy right. I am. You guys always get, get someone. It drives me crazy. Uh, Buckeye Browns has always said, it's, oh, it's so frustrating to not be able to root for like Ryan Shazier. I <laughs> love, you know, and that's, you know, it happens a lot. So, the Saints are a very likable team. They already have a couple of Buckeyes and in, in, in at least Von Bell and Michael Thomas on the top of my head and, and probably more. But, um, I love you know they had Marshawn Lattimore who I'm very excited for, extremely happy for him. Great place for him to go and play defense. was awful last year and can only get better. And I think he's going to be a lockdown corner if he can stay healthy. That's the only question with Marshawn. So he, you know what? So you know he ultimately goes to a, to a to a team that that I like. I was so excited that Malik Hooker went to the Colts. So excited. I don't know about you if you thought about this at all, Brian, but. In my mind, I was thinking Malik Hooker is going to go to the Ravens and he's going to torture the Browns. And if he's going to torture the Browns, probably torture the Steelers, too, for a long time. Like, that's a guy I want no part of in the AFC North. And the Colts are another team I like, so really happy about that. And I really, you know, I definitely don't love the Raiders. I obviously hate the Warriors. But I'm very excited for Gary Conley. Gary Conley is going to be able to be a day-one impact guy helping out whether it's a nickel or wherever he's going to end up being the start. If UI Apple was, to, was effective, I think he can be effective as a rookie. And he's joining a team that is a division favorite and a marginal Super Bowl contender. So great for him to go to a good situation like that. Your thoughts, Brian, on the Buckeyes or, or, or any other players that you were you know, happy with? You felt like a, a team made a good pick or maybe didn't make as good of a pick. Well, on a personal
0: note, it was nice to see Taco Charlton drafted so early. He's from my hometown of Pickerington, went to my high school, Pickering Central. He's uh, the first first-round pick, I believe, in Pickerington history. We had a um, couple of guys play in the NFL, but, but no one ever in the first round. And I actually interviewed him back in my newspaper days in 2012. He helped Pickerington uh, win their first-ever basketball state championship in 2012. So, played for Michigan, had a really good game against Ohio State uh, last year. Uh, in the game. So, really nice to see him uh, being taken by Dallas at 28, which I was surprised because Dallas is secondary. They were terrible last year, and, they, and, and they're and they really rebuilding that unit. I thought they might go cornerback. Um, And I think if if Conley was there, uh, then maybe they would have gotten him. And, I mean, I don't – there's no way to say this without it sounding bad, but, I mean, Conley with all the controversy surrounding him with the domestic things, it, it, it makes sense for Oakland to draft him because Oakland doesn't really care about PR – and I guess they're willing to take take a chance. So that's what they did, and they got Conley. Uh, I was really surprised that Hooker fell. And honestly, Brian, at that point, believe it or not, I was having Paul Malu flashbacks. Because I remember in 2003 when Paul Malu passed the, you know, the first ten picks and the Steelers drafted up and got him. And there was a moment when I was thinking, man, are we lucky enough for the Steelers to do that again? Is there a chance that they might draft up and get him? And then as soon as I started to, to to have those thoughts dance in my head, the Colts took him. But like you said, I mean, he didn't go to the Ravens. He didn't go to the Bengals. He didn't go to a team I didn't like. I was convinced the Bengals were going to take him. I was convinced. And uh, they didn't. They went receiver, which really surprised me because they took a receiver uh, in the second round last year. And let me scroll back up here and see who they got. They got John Ross from Washington who, you know, decent receiver, but that's a stretch. To me, That's that's a, that's a pretty big reach. But they're hoping, you know, you get A.J. Green, the kid from Pitt, they got in the second round last year, and Ross, you know, they'll have a trio that's pretty formidable because, you know, that was lacking last year. Um, they didn't have a good, reliable number two last year. They, they lost too many weapons. They lost Marvin Jones and whatnot. But I don't want to talk Bengal football, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> but um, but I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy for Hooker. You know, obviously I wanted him for the Steelers. Um, I thought that would have been really cool if they would have drafted up and gotten the best safety, uh, in my opinion, in the draft. Uh, at 15, but they didn't, and, uh, you know, I thought Bob Sanders immediately when he went to the Colts. That was a, a safety I really enjoyed watching back in the day. Uh, his career didn't last long because of injuries, but he helped the Colts win a Super Bowl and, and all of those things. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2007, so uh, I was really happy for him. Uh, a couple of other things I saw um, I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, just kind of looking through the draft. Again, you know, really surprised with the quarterbacks that went so early. You got Turbisky. That just sounds like a Chicago Bear, doesn't it? Just Turbisky. I don't know why, but it does to me. Uh, he's going it does, to the Bears. You know, you
1: know what? You're thinking of Al Sworsky from the Bears. Yep. Skin. So yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And you got to talk about Jonathan Allen. To me, Jonathan Allen was the second best defensive player in the draft after Miles Garrett. And he went number seventeen to the Redskins. I know he's got some shoulder issues and whatever, but that is I cannot fathom how that happened. And one of the best players in the draft, Ruben Foster, and there's character issues. Went thirty-two to the Niners. The Niners, when this circles around to Trubisky, they to me their best pick was thirty-two, and they drafted second. So uh, absolute craziness! Absolute craziness! That, that, to me, well, that those guys slipped.
0: I think, Brian, and the weird thing with Foster, yes, the character thing certainly hurt him, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's honestly kind of where the NFL is going these days, though. Name me a dominant, name me a great inside linebacker currently in the NFL. I mean, Shazier's really good, but I wouldn't call him an elite, dominant player. He's very good. I mean, I like Shazier. He's a pro Mostly. boy this year. Dante Hightower is a, is a very good player, but I wouldn't call him a dominant, great player. I, I think, honestly, that's where the NFL is going. Like, long are the gone are the days of, you know, linebackers uh, are in the middle of all the action, the inside linebackers. I mean, nowadays, the vertical game beyond the linebackers is, is, is what's in. That's what's vogue. Um, you know, a lot of passes to the outside. You know, outside linebackers now that can cover tight ends, that can get to running backs on the edge, receivers on the edge, that can pass rush, you know, outside linebackers are what you need these days. Not saying that, that, you know, inside linebackers aren't important anymore, but you saw with the Steelers, they let Lawrence Timmons walk, who, who had a really good season in 2016. And um, they needed an inside, they Steelers need an inside linebacker and they decided not to, not to get Foster because they, they know that that getting an outside linebacker with a pass rush is more important. So, I think that's also kind of showing you how inside linebackers really, you need to plug in guys that are reliable tacklers, and that's really all it is. And, uh, again, I, I think if you can find a great inside linebacker, uh, you're always going to try to get one. And, and, but that being said, if there's, if there's character issues and all those things, I just think that's also kind of a sign of the times too, along with the character issues, is that uh, inside linebackers aren't really, there's not much of a need for them anymore as, as, as it used to be. Um one thing I want to talk about too Pat Mahomes uh now in Kansas City and that to me I mean that's that's the Chiefs pretty much welcoming a quarterback controversy because they can say it all they want that we're drafting him to sit we're drafting him to wait if and this is a Chiefs team that now has been in the second round 2 years in a row so you know their window if if you believe in the Chiefs actually be a Super Bowl team I really don't um their window is pretty much now. So, um if Alex Smith starts to struggle, and if they start out slow, which the Chiefs normally do start out slow, um, then now you're you're welcoming a quarterback controversy, in my opinion. So uh very and, and that honestly to me shows me that Alex Smith is almost done, which isn't a shock. I mean he's in his, you know, mid thirties now. Um so, you know, very interesting to me that uh that that went down with him going uh, sorely in the first round. So, um, just looking ahead, you know the Browns are going to be up early again. I, I, I think in the second round, the Packers are already entertaining uh, well, the Browns, uh, trading the their thirty third pick. Trade. That's yeah, the right.
1: Browns, no, yeah, the Browns made a trade. So number fifty two, as the the Browns respect. But speaking of trades, and I don't know if this is true, it's actually a guy out of uh, out of Boulder, Colorado, near Denver. You know where I live who said that the Browns were in on Mahomes and the Chiefs swept in. So thank you. If that's true, I already love the Chiefs, uh, you know, because really I can't root for the Broncos. I I can't really root for the Raiders. Kansas City's cool. Midwest, they're the Chiefs. Any Indian-related name I'm going to root for pretty much, unless I have a reason to not like you. So uh, good for them. Thank you so much for not allowing the Browns to stick at 12 and get Mahomes and have me be not so happy about that. So I, I appreciate it. I will say that the one other thing that was crazy about with the Browns trade is I'm sitting there at 12, and in my mind, my order was Allen number one and number two, after Garrett, three was Hooker, and Jamal Adams uh, mm-hmm. was four, from LSU, who went earlier. And I'm sitting there, and before the Browns made the trade, I'm thinking, oh my god, the Browns could get my, could get two of my top three. And then when they made the trade, initially, which was so stupid, me and some buddies that were watching it thought that the Browns didn't get 25, and they just got a first round for next year, which would make no sense whatsoever, obviously. So that was just like us being unconcerned. Um, it definitely was, would have been great to get one of those guys. Again, Jonathan Allen went to 17, which boggles my mind. Um, but I still feel overall – very good about getting an extra first-round pick next year. We now have the, the Texans' first-round pick and second-round pick next year, and the Browns. I, I have. I, they might even have three. Might, we might even have. We have the Titans too. Pretty sure the Browns have three, three second-round picks, two first-round picks next year. So when you have all that, you have all the ammo you need to get whoever you want at quarterback, or you know, move up to get uh, whatever the position may be. That you need help at, so yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm again I'm still really jacked, very excited about the Browns, excited for the Buckeyes, and and yeah, just to touch on the quarterback point that you said, Brian. I mean, I, I I don't get it. I don't understand at all. I mean, Sean Watson goes what fourth? The fourth quarterback taken? Was it the third quarter? I believe taken? so.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean yeah. that's just. It, I mean, but Trubisky at number two was was mind boggling. Uh, like I said, with the receivers, surprised about that, though I do really like the receivers in this draft. Um, John Ross to the Bengals at nine. I mean, that was a bit of a surprise. I like the player, but I was a little surprised with the, the defensive uh, talent available at that point that they would go with John Ross not trading back. I was a little bit surprised that uh, um, needing offensive line help, that the Broncos took Garrett Bowles. Not that they took him, I think he's who they wanted. But I feel like they could have traded back and still gotten him or a comparable player. Um, so it was uh, it was interesting. Some guys, yeah, you said quarterbacks, receivers, offense. Brian, how crazy, how great the defense was in this draft, and somehow offense dominated the first half of the first round. It, it's really sort of makes you, you know, uh, scratch your head a little bit.
0: Well, I think, again, it's kind of like what's vogue in the NFL. And, you know, you're seeing in the Super Bowl, the Falcons have a 28-3 to lead in offenses these days. I mean, the league is predicated to letting the offenses have their way. And, you know, you saw in that Super Bowl, the Patriots made that, that deficit you know, vanish and, and, you know, a little bit over a quarter. So, you know, that's where it is today. And, I, I you know, this was just after the first half of, of the draft. But where did they go? There you go. Yeah, Evan Ingram. I thought that was a really good pick by the Giants and surprising because um, he's a really good tight end. He was the best tight end in the draft. Um, there's a young guy from Ashland who people are calling Gronk Jr., 6'7, 245, I think, and he can actually run like a four or five 40s. For a guy that big, is like unheard of. So he's a sleeper out there that I wouldn't be surprised maybe if the Steelers took in the second round if they don't go corner because the Steelers want to give Ben as many weapons as as they humanly can. That's that's been the Steelers' big M.O. Um, But back to Evans, now you're looking at the Giants. Um, They've got the receiver they took early last year. You've got the Oklahoma kid. You've got, um, obviously, Odell Beckham. Now you've got Evans. So now you've got three guys that can stretch the field. And, you know, I know that a lot of people aren't high on Eli Manning as a career great quarterback. Guys won two rings and and he's perennially throwing you know forty five hundred yards a season. So that just shows you you know where the NFL is going. Man, you, you got to have you got to have playmakers. I mean that that's the name of the game. The, the, you know teams that that get far and that do well have playmakers. I mean it is, that's just the way it is today in the NFL. So uh, not surprising that they went there. Um, now that being said, Brian, I mean what what are you thinking now for the Browns? What what is your next need as we wrap up this abbreviated podcast. We look ahead to Friday.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited. The Browns still have two picks and and looking forward to seeing what happens um, tomorrow. And then uh, also moving forward with, with day three, which is going to be huge. And I always is you're going to have a chance to get some guys that are going to make impacts. And there's going to be some very impactful players that won't even be drafted. It'll be free agent signees, And then you hope to kind of jump on some of those guys. Um, I mean, cornerback is a position I'd like to see the Browns dress tomorrow. Um, I, there's a lot of talent still available. Out uh, of Washington, uh, Sidney Jones is healthy, first-round grade. Uh, so, really, you know, that those couple of guys that, that definitely interest me. Um, I'm fine if they want to get an offensive playmaker, whether it's a receiver, whether it's it's a running back um again i'm not crazy into the idea of a running back um but right. they want to you know make get someone who they feel like can impact their look the browns need to need, need playmakers and they need to hit it's that simple so you know you know corner is a position you definitely need help the browns may want to get another safety um again you don't know really necessarily where your real is going to fit in so the right safety option would still be fine um, I'm all for the Browns continuing on defense. Two of the three guys with defense, uh, I want, I want so badly to have an AFC North defense. I want Greg Williams to get toys. You give Greg Williams toys, and look, if the Browns can't succeed, then it must have been injuries or something. Right. Because they're well, not. Well, I want to step in real quick gonna, with Greg
0: Right. Well, I want to say something about Greg Williams. I honestly, and I'm going to plead ignorance, I didn't know you guys had him. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal hiring. I'm going to say it again. That is a phenomenal hiring. Like, I'll promise you one thing about Greg Williams' defense. You're not going to see Le'Veon Bell just getting 30 carries and doing what he wants. Like, I remember Week 10, Steelers and Browns. It was the Steelers lost four games in a row. They were a team that was hurting. Um, and... Yeah, I think Cleveland was maybe even frothing at the mouth a little bit, like we're going to get the Steelers when they're down. I know the Browns weren't good at that point in the year, and they had, they had didn't have any wins, but you got to think that Cleveland was thinking, okay, if, if we're going to beat the Steelers, they're, they've lost four in a row, this might be our time. And the Steelers said, you know what, we're going. We're getting back to smash mouth football. We're going to run the ball at will, and we're going to test the Browns' will, and hopefully we crush it, and that's what happened. You're not going to have that with Greg Williams. You're not going to have soft defenses. You're not going to have Landry Jones throwing touchdown passes against your defense in week seventeen. That's just not going to happen. Uh, you know a bounty gate happened. I know people don't talk about it anymore, and for the fan people listeners that don't know what that was, two thousand nine you know there was a you know Greg Williams was a defensive coordinator in New Orleans, and they had a bounty where you know they gave money for big hits knocking people out of the game and and
1: just if if you want
0: to know what kind of defense that Greg Williams wants to run. YouTube 2009 NFC Championship game where they made Brett Favre. I mean, Brett Favre was never the same after that game. And then a year later, you know, he missed his first NFL games and was for, pretty much forced into retirement because he couldn't play anymore. I mean, the Saints hit him that many, that many times. And they were, you know, they were fearless. And they don't play just to tackle. They play uh, to hurt you. I mean, they, they hit and it's not dirty. They're not dirty, but, but they are on the line. I mean, they play – Greg Williams plays Steeler defense. I mean, when I think of Steeler defense, that's the defense that Cleveland's going to get. But like you said, Brian, if, if they have the toys. Everywhere Greg Williams has been, his defenses have been tough. I mean, it's no surprise. I mean, he was the, the Rams defensive coordinator the last couple of years. And while the Rams were terrible, it wasn't because of their defense. Aaron Donald and company, he coached him up. So I didn't know that. <laughs> so let's hope he's. St- if you're a Browns fan, you hope he sticks around. And like you said, I mean Brian, and, and you know, I I thought it was kind of unfair to Garrett because they kept showing, you know, uh, you know, the ESPN's draft coverage of plays where where Garrett was, you know, he was he was slacking or, or not finishing plays, and that's kind of unfair to me because it's like if someone played, in I don't know, 600 plays, you get you're easily gonna find five where he may have been loafing a little bit. And you don't know the situation in the game or if he was injured or whatnot. I thought that was unfair. And that's what John Gruden was pointing out uh, around the time he was drafted. And, you know, if there's any worry about his motor, like you said, Greg Williams is going to shut that down. So, And, and as a Steelers fan, that, that worries me because there's going to be uh, no just kind of like, you know, paying homage to Big Ben or we're going to lay up on him. I mean, you got to be careful today because NFL, you know, teams they protect their quarterbacks a lot better than they did in 09 with Brett Favre. But that being said, Ben's going to have to keep his head on a swivel with a Greg Williams defense. It's uh, again, if if you give Greg Williams toys, he's gonna he's gonna do some things. And if the Browns aren't good the next couple of years, it won't be because of his defense.
1: Yeah, I I uh, he, I mean, the interview. Um, when he was introduced, it was unbelievable. I mean, you like, I, 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 oftentimes I'm not super excited about the Browns. I'm very excited about the Browns tonight. And the last time I felt really that kind of excitement was his interview, or not his interview, his in, uh, initial press conference, excuse me, when he was announced because he is so fiery and scary kind of, and it's it's extremely exciting to have him. So, hey, let's get some more toys tomorrow, Brian. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how, see kind of what you guys do. And, uh, you know, excited, Curtis Samuel should be off the board on day two. Very excited to see where he goes. Fingers crossed that he doesn't go to a team that I don't like. Um, you're probably, fingers crossed, hey, it'd be fun to have him. But <laughs> hoping that doesn't happen. We'll see. And uh, maybe, maybe your boy Pat Elfine maybe will go tomorrow. If not tomorrow, he'll definitely go on day three. So that, that's exciting. And uh, there's yeah a lot to, lot to look forward to. Should be a, a great draft weekend. And the Indians w- took two or three from one of the better teams in baseball, Houston. So I'll throw that in. That's exciting. And one uh, piece of news you may not know, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but the top four games, the first four games, one through four, have been announced for the Cavs, uh, Raptor series, which I did not know that. Disappointment, the disappointment for me, which I think is absolute bullshit, and we'll find out, you know, about the Warriors if this happens to them. I bet I bet you it's different for them, but the Cavs play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I'll be very curious to see if the the, the Warriors get more than one day off in between games. Uh, I, I bet they will, and if they do, it's not right. There's no reason whatsoever for that kind of you know BS. Uh, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then um, 3.30 uh, Eastern time. That's the three times, which also sucks for me because I'm on mountain and that means 5 o'clock for me and work ends after um, that. So. that. So, that's a but, little That's so, a little ruling
0: for, for the Cavs. You're not going to get any of those two-night rests. And as, as you said, you want to make sure that Golden State's not getting anything unfair either. Um, you know, both teams do what they had to do. They they swept in the first round. And, and this, again, I mean, I know I'm going to sound like a skipping record. This just continues to remind me more and more of the 80s with, with the Celtics and the Lakers. And there's going to be a great 30-for-30 uh, 30 30 about that rivalry coming up in June. I can't wait. How To me, that's like the cornucopia, you know, or you, you've got – Golden State and Cleveland round three at the same time. they will be the thirty for thirty of my, my one of my favorite eras in sports, eighties basketball. So that's going to be wonderful. But, um, you know, I saw something on ESPN today. It was like it was like the third headline in basketball, and it was like, you know, Tyloo addressing LeBron playing too much in the first round. Are you kidding me? They've been off for a week. You know, LeBron is, has, has rested, and that's you know one of the keys to these LeBron going to the final seven straight years. You know, how many times, and even in the second round, how many second-round games or series has LeBron played in uh, the last six, seven years where it's gone to six games? I can remember one, 2012 against uh, uh, the Pacers. But other than that, and then uh, the Bulls in 15. Other than that, he normally sweeps through the second round where it only goes to five. And that, again, I mean, that's the key. Where, yeah, I mean, the NBA schedule didn't give uh, Cleveland – you know they didn't give them any breaks, but again, if you sweep or win five games, no big deal. The, the biggest thing is you need to be getting the amount of rest as Golden State, um, and, and if you're doing that, then then you're giving yourself, uh, you know, every advantage you can give yourself. But again, the fact that you know Toronto had to play a tough Milwaukee series, and you were right, Brian. I remember saying, "Hey, that should that should be easy," and you said, "Not so fast." And you were right. I mean, Toronto struggled to get through that series. And uh, I, I think Toronto, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, they're a good team. Uh, DeRozan had a really good game and, and, a, and a good series, um, you know, in the first round uh, against Milwaukee. But I, I just think that they're just, they're just one of those teams that's just scared stiff of LeBron. I think it's a mental block. I, don't, I think they know they can't beat him. And, you know, the key for Cleveland is, you know, they had a 3 nothing lead against Toronto last year, and then they let Toronto win those two games. They need to not do that. I mean, if if they win in five, I think everybody would be happy. But you got to win this as, as early as you can, um, and, and I think that's that's got to be the key for them. And one thing about uh, uh, hockey, Penguins won tonight. They won Game One. I watched maybe five minutes. Unfortunately, they won three to two, and uh, this is the first time in a long time they've had a series lead. Uh, they won Game One against Washington, so that was big and on the road, and uh, the the Pirates yesterday. Uh, the first, uh, what country was it? Oh, Af- I think it's the first African-born baseball player ever was on their team. His first name is Gift, and I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, and he had a hit, and they beat the Cubs. Pirates are in last place, Brian, but but they, they have a, an excellent record this year against the Cubs. So go figure, man. That's
1: baseball for you, isn't it? That is baseball, yeah. I, I it's. I texted you that that I it was so funny. Um, you never know, but it's early enough that it, it's nice for you guys. It's nice for you guys, and it keeps you kind of afloat. You know, the Sterling Martin news sucked. Uh, I don't think we got to really talk it about did. it last time, and you may not want to talk about it now. And I'm sorry, but it yeah, it was awful. Um, absolutely terrible situation. No, you nobody to blame but him. You got to take personal responsibility for your for your actions and, and whether you meant to or not. And I'm sure he didn't. That that definitely hurts. Um, but see what happens. Uh, Polanco has is, is been okay. McCutcheon is capable of being better. So there's uh, there's hope. I think for you guys to see what's going on. Cole Garrett Cole has been phenomenal against the Cubs this year he lost, he got actually a credit for the loss in the one of that the, the was, I think it was one, nothing. They beat you. And he got a loss for pitching eight innings, giving up one unearned run. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough when that happens, but um, he's looking, the Coles looking like an ace and that he should be. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, but you know, it's a football weekend, a football, uh, you know, podcast for this evening as we review the draft. So, um, before we wrap this baby up Because it's getting late for me And I'm in mountain time So imagine how late it's for, it is for for you <laughs> um, well, Any other final thoughts on the draft Or draft weekend Or or the Cavs Raptors which If it goes six I'm fine with that by the way I'd prefer it be last But I'm really not going to worry about it Cavs will get enough rest So any other final thoughts As we wrap this up tonight
0: Final thoughts um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know, man, I'm, uh, I'm happy with where sports are. And, you know, I I think I kind of said what I wanted to say uh, about, uh, you know, the Cavs. I'm going to say one thing about the Penguins, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of blabbering on about the NHL. And, uh, it's weird, man, because honestly, after, and, and honestly, maybe we can end it at this. I'm kind of done with the draft. If we can have one little quick conversation. We're going to call it a night. Because I honestly wanted to know what you thought about this. Both of our teams won championships last year, Penguins and Cavs. And honestly, man, I went into this season with the Penguins thinking, you know what, whatever that happens, happens. You know, like that's normally me when championships happen. You know, the two that the Steelers won, I really wasn't expecting a lot those years. It was like, let's just see what happens. I'm not going to get my hopes up. And this Penguins team, honestly, I can officially say, like, they've gotten my hopes up. If they don't win it now, I'm going to be disappointed because they have a one nothing lead against the Washington Capitals, the President's Cup champions. Uh, you know They beat a, you know, a Columbus team that was fourth in the NHL in points. And I, I know they were fading late, and I know they had injuries, and Bob, you know, wasn't Bob in the playoffs, but still they won in five games, and they made Columbus look bad when Columbus was a very good team, and they are a very good team. So they officially now, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Like I'm going to be very disappointed if they don't win. win. And I, I don't want to say that because that's not fair. Because so many things can happen, and it's so hard to. No team has repeated in 20 years in the NHL. But, but for me, and I remember you asked me this, I think Brian, a while ago. Um, you know, what would another championship do for Crosby's legacy? I'll say this, man. If they become the first NHL team in 20 years to win back to back, he's right. In my opinion, he's right with Lemieux, and a lot of hockey purists and whatever. No one will agree with me, and that's okay. Uh, Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. I don't know. But I I just think if this team can be the first team in 20 years to win back-to-back, you know, I know that might not get a lot of national coverage and, you know, whatever, but to hockey fans, that's special. That that, that would be something that would would take Crosby and stick him apart, you know, three cups, back-to-back. Um, that would be something else. And uh I'm gonna kind of let allow myself to dream a little bit. And that's why I was gonna ask you, Brian. I mean, do you look at the season as just, as a disappointment if Cleveland doesn't win it? Um I think I think the answer is yes. Because now with the Penguins, for me, the answer is yes.
1: Yeah, well let, let me say first of all that you should feel very excited. The Capitals were not just, you know, the President's Cup winner but they were the best team in both conferences by far. It wasn't even that close. Like, that's not taking anything away from the Jackets, and certainly not taking anything away from from the, you know, Penguins, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. To get that first win, that's a great feeling. And, you know, right now, obviously that's anything can happen. Washington's still very good. But Washington was not as strong as you would have expected them to have been against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And – they have a history, and you, and you, you had mentioned this, uh, I don't know if it was on the air or if it wasn't, you know, just, just telling me otherwise, That, um, and I don't remember the numbers, but you could, you know, say what they are, that you guys, historically, the Penguins have dominated the Capitals in the playoffs, so I, for you guys, I'd be very excited right now. The Cavs, yeah, it has to be a disappointment because we see the NBA is brutal. It's so hard to win championships and the Cavs are not going to be a championship contender forever. They're just not going to be. It's not possible the way the NBA works. So as long as you have LeBron James, you got to feel like you're going to win a championship. And you have to feel like if you don't win a championship, it's a disappointment every year. So absolutely, I am nervous about it. I'm really not happy about the lack of rest. I think that also could make it an easier series for the Raptors to at least take the six. But I'm not, you know, it is what it is. Um, see what happens. But uh, I definitely feel that way, and that's a great feeling. I think for both of us, <laughs> you, you, there's no better feeling than expecting and feeling like you're gonna be disappointed if your team doesn't win because you know that they just did it and that they're obviously more than capable of getting it done. So we uh, we shall see what happens.
0: We will, man. And I, and I think on a parting note for me that. Uh... You know, it's
1: it's not just
0: that, that you're expecting a championship. It, it's the, it's kind of like the legacy. They Both these teams can do something incredibly special. Cleveland, two championships in a row, two over Golden State, potentially. Um, LeBron James, you know, four championships, seven in a row. And as we said yesterday on yesterday's podcast, I believe it was, or, or earlier this week, rather, that's, I mean, you could say that's, that's almost on par with Michael Jordan, or it is on par, you know, his six-for-six six in eight years. Um, but LeBron doing it with two different franchises, two with, two with each franchise, seven in a row, which, which Jordan never had more than three in a row. He did that twice. Then you look at the Penguins, and like I said, you know, the first franchise in two, two decades about to win two Stanley Cups. What that would do, I mean, the the Penguins team would be remembered. it would be remembered for, you know, they would be the, the greatest team this century so far I mean I know Chicago Has won you know Three Cups But they weren't able To string together Two in a row like this and the, For the Penguins To win three and Including two in a row That would put them Somewhere different So I think that's What we're chasing And uh, with that Brian uh, I think we'll call it A night buddy So And maybe we'll do this Again tomorrow night If, uh, if we're both Caffeinated and ready to roll And we're feeling good Maybe we'll do a, a day two draft recap. So, uh, for Brian Rosen, this is Brian Diardo signing off. And, as always, it's a great day to be a sports fan.
1: See you.